Yacht Rock Radio, on air and online at YachtRockRadio.com. Joining us on the phone from Toto, it's Steve Lukather. Hey, Steve. Welcome aboard Yacht Rock Radio. How are you? <laughs> yes, Yacht Rock Radio. All right, man. What's up, dude? Oh, nothing. Where are you sailing? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Where's my fucking yacht, man? Where's my fucking yacht? You know, if I played on all this shit, I shouldn't I get some for it? You should absolutely have a yacht by now. Nah, man, you know, two ex-wives and you know, all that. You know, poor kids. <laughs> uh, I've been on a bunch, but uh, no, it's okay. No, listen, I get the joke, bro. Now, we uh, ha- actually had the pleasure of meeting uh, in Grand Rapids last September. I had dinner with you backstage. I gave you a couple Yacht Rock Radio t-shirts. Right, man, I remember. Yeah. It's good to see you again. Good to talk to you again, bro. So, I remember you. So great to hang out with you again. Yeah, man. All aboard, man. What can I say? <laughs> I got to say, this thing, this whole phenomenon cracks me up because, you know, for us, Back, what would it be, like 1976 through 1996, when we were doing sessions, it was just a week's worth of work for us. We'd work with all these artists and played on most of it. You know, one of us was on some most of the records you play. I don't know how that happened, but it just did. I think that's the, the key factor that Toto is one of the uh, top artists in the yacht rock genre, is the fact that you've played with nearly everybody. You have played with everybody. That's what connects you to these. <laughs> well, certainly, I would say ninety percent of what you play, yeah, for for certain. And I know you you've said in the past that with yacht rock you get the joke, um, but but it's I got to tell you it, it's not a joke. I mean, the yacht rock fans no, are I mean, I don't, I don't, super you know, I, serious. No, I it's kitschy, okay? It's no, it's not laugh laugh your ass off funny, but it's, it's got a <laughs> kitschy vibe to it, man. You know it does. It's a little kitschy, sure, a little cheeky. You know, cheeky. with the captain's hats and, like, what is it, Captain Stubing or something like that? What is <laughs> You know, yeah, you know, some of the bar, some of the bar it's, bands. It's, and it's like, yeah, the whole guilty pleasure thing and all that. Yeah, 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 right. But you know what? As long as people show up and they enjoy the music and, you know, my career is, you know, it ain't slowing down. It's getting better, so. No, knock wood on that. After forty three years, you know, and and that's anyway. that's the key. I mean, uh, a yacht rock fan uh, is a fan because of the music and the mu- and the musicianship. So uh, it's pretty serious. And uh, the the fans that you've had from the old days, Toto, and and the hits and the Grammys, and, and your new fans today, even like kids, like what I would call a kid, an eighteen to twenty two year old. They're into it, man. I mean, you're seeing that on well, your tour. I'm seeing it in the streaming. We're, you know, we're stream. All of our albums are streaming ten to twelve million a month. We're over a billion now, and there's kids buying. We're just going out. We're getting called to do these festivals for eight, eighteen or sixteen to twenty-five year old people, and I'm going like, really? And we did them all in uh, Australia, and it was like mayhem. The kids were screaming. It was. <laughs> we were looking at each other like. Are we on candid camera now, man? What's 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 this, what's going on here? And there's an interest in it, like you know, it's not like uncool to like us now or whatever, you know. Well, of course the, not. The, the hipsters, the hipsters are pulling out their hair, but in many cases, it already fell out. So, so you've announced a, a huge uh, American North American tour uh, that's hitting uh, in uh, September in Los Angeles. Yeah, man, this is going to be the last time we play for a while. We've been on a two-year cycle, and it ends October 21st, which is ironically my birthday. But 
Uh, yeah, the, I don't know when we're going to play again. It's, we've been doing this heavy for 10 years, and we're re- and it's been great because we've had two months off to rest. Now we're going to hit the summer hard, and we'll be ready for the fall. I'm very excited. Ticket sales are blazing, so it's going to be great. Um, but I am saying, like, if, if you're waffling, going, oh, I don't know if I want to see these guys, maybe they'll come back next year. Well, no, we're not going to come back next year. So <laughs> I'm just telling you that now. When in doubt, come out and see us. The band's playing great. It's a great, it's a fun show, man. We do, you know, two hours plus. It's plus awesome deep cuts of our 40-year history. It's a great show, yeah. And it's been going really, really well, and we're having a blast, you know. Just need a little break, you know. So if you're, you know, you're on top, you're telling me this is the last tour for now or forever? Well, I didn't say forever. Okay. Forever's a long time, brother. But I just think that we need a little break. We need to take a step back at it. You know, we've been killing ourselves the last 10 years. You deserve uh, a break, for sure. I I know we'll play again, but I mean, this is going to be the end of the cycle. You know, we've been working on this 40 trips around the the sun. Now it's the 43rd trip, you know? (laughs) So... If you put the numbers together, you realize that we haven't been sitting around doing nothing. We've made two albums, a couple of DVDs, and you know, nine world tours in the, the last 10 years. So we haven't been sitting around doing nothing. When you do get to sit around and do nothing, those two-month breaks between tours. I'm in it right now. I'm sitting here at my desk. I have a four-month-old pug puppy lying behind me. Got my kids off to school. You know, I got little kids and grown kids. Um, and I'm just sort of looking out at the rain going, it's a beautiful day. You know, I'm going to hang out, go watch my daughter play volleyball, grab dinner and hang out. That's like the best day ever for me. That's a normal day. As far as being home, you know, when I'm home, I'm totally hands-on dad, typical guy down the street. You know what I mean? I love being dad. And I, love, I love just having a simple life, fireplace on, dog, cup of coffee, you know. I lived the crazy life, man. I did all that. You know, I think I got a tattoo and a gold star somewhere, and they tell me I had a great time, but you know, there are the lost years, which I'm not necessarily a real proud of, but, you know, you live and learn, right? I was just a little kid teenager chucked into a studio with, like, you know, 20 to 40-year-old guys doing all sorts of crazy shit, you know? <laughs> we are the 70s and 80s. Oh, the what 70s and 80s. Maybe a blur, but uh, but now you're telling no, me that... No, it's not a blur. I mean, you know, some of it, I guess, because <laughs> I was doing so... Well, we were working so... I mean, how fucked up could we be if we were doing all these sessions and in a band? You know what I mean? So people make this like, oh, like it was some... I mean, you know, I'm not saying there was innocence or that, you know, there wasn't some partying going on, but I mean, think about it just in terms of physicality. How could we have played 25 sessions a week and had had our own band and kept it together to get hired over and over and over again if we were a mess, you know? But that's absolutely true. But don't, don't believe the hype with the, you know, they love to dump drug jokes on us because, you know, we had a singer that got in trouble. Okay, yeah, right. Uh, you know, nobody was innocent in the 70s and 80s, I can tell you that. No one. My gardener, my pool man, <laughs> everybody was crazy. But that was a long time ago, man. I understand that. And it was, you know, it was a time when everybody was crazy. It wasn't just musicians. It was like really everyday walks of life people. It was a really weird time. Very strange time in history. But, you know, you live through it and you look back at it and go, what were we thinking? My God, you know. But it was, it was, a, it was a, you know, a cultural event, for lack of a better term. But your point is well taken. I mean, you couldn't have been out of your minds and accomplished all that you accomplished. 
No, but we weren't, you know, we get, we get bagged on, oh, those guys are all, those guys are all a mess on drugs and fucked up or whatever. It's like, hey, man, you know, how do we do all that? You know, I got, I kept all my year at a glance date books from 1974 on, you know? Mm-hmm. So I know where I've been, what I did. It's a lot of it's in my book, and you know, I got a book out. Oh, absolutely. It's amazing to add, uh, you know, best selling author to your resume. Uh, with the gospel according to Luke. <laughs> it's, you know, it's actually very funny because, I mean, I saw somebody sent me a picture of it on Amazon. It said bestseller, five-star reviews. I'm going, I just could think of every English teacher I had my entire life <laughs> accidentally seeing that, you know. They'd probably been working on their novel for 50 years, you know, and the guy they throw out of the class has a number one book. <laughs> <laughs> I get a, I get a kick out of it. You know, it's funny to me. What's the best feedback you've gotten from a fan or a friend or a I family mean, member? I mean, most people love. I mean, I'm surprised. First off, I'm surprised that anybody read it. Get out. I mean, you know, come on. I don't have a big ego, man. I mean, there's a lot of books out there. A lot of really interesting, incredible people, and I didn't think I was one of those. But they came to me after I did a, a, a sort of a Q and A at the Grammy Museum. Uh, many years back, and they said, you got to write a book, because I was telling my stories, and I had everybody laughing in the aisles, and, you know, stories of making records with famous people, and the things that happen. Um, and I have a million stories, so, and they're all, they're, they're, most of them are really positive, you know, I, I can maybe one or two negative experiences, but my, I have to say, in terms of percentage, uh, 99.999% was awesome every day. I mean, even stuff that didn't become a hit, it was just going to the studio, creating with your brothers, Great engineers, great producers and artists, and, you know, a fertile time when there's lots of money in the business. It was like everybody was working. It was a wonderful time. So there's nothing, I mean, nothing but fond memories for me. Even the crazy stuff was fun, you know. After the book was finished, how many days went by before another story happened that you said to yourself, oh, I wish I put that in the book? Oh, man, it's every day, man. Every day. I mean, it was really hard. They had to cut 400-something pages out because there's just nobody's going to buy a 700-page book on a guy. Who's this guy? And they're not going to read War and Peace. You know? <laughs> Plus, I had to rewrite it a couple times myself because the first draft, I didn't even sound like me. You know, I wanted it more raw, more real, more like, hey, this is the way I talk, you know, offensive or not. I didn't want it to be like, oh, some guitar player guy did a few you know, interviews, slapped his face on the cover and said it was a book. You know, I actually did go in word by word, you know. It meant a lot to me that it was, it meant a lot to me that it was real. And people, the reaction was over the top. I mean, I'm working on a documentary right now for next year and the whole session era guy pretty much right near wheelhouse uh, of that wonderful time. The last era of the session guy, you know, where we all went to work every day, not knowing what we were going to do in many cases, not knowing who we were going to work with, just be at Capitol Records from 12 to 6, Monday through Friday. You go, yeah, I'll be there. Sometimes it was a really great surprise. Sometimes it was silly, but we always brought our best and had a great time. And I look back at that and I go, God, was that really 25 years ago? <laughs> wow. I've kind of lived three lives in this one. <laughs> and you're in the best part of it, right? You know what, man? In in so many ways, I am because I'm really, you know, I'm clear-headed. I have, you know, I stopped drinking all that you know, a long time ago. Uh, I'm very healthy, you know. Um, I'm I'm more relaxed because I'm not, you know, the youthful, you know, bravado, chip on the shoulder, you know, who's the fastest gun in the West kind of attitude, which is a young man's game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
I'm an older guy. I'm not in the race. I'm really, I can look back at a career going, listen, man, no matter what happens, I can make a living for the rest of my life, uh, no matter what. But I've had a great run, you know I mean? I'm not trying to be, and like, let me show you what I got. And if anything, I, I still practice every day, refining it, simplifying it. You know, I was in a bus, bus accident a few years ago. It screwed up my left shoulder real bad, so I had to rethink some of the ways I the way I apply it just because I can't even lift my arms up above my, let's say uh, breasts for lack of a better term. <laughs> uh, and it's hard for me to pick up my kids and just, you know, it's, it's, I'm older guy now, but I'm very mentally, I'm relaxed and I'm enjoying it all. I can really enjoy every night playing and connecting with it. And the band's playing great. And we're keeping the memories of uh, Mike and Jeff alive. And, uh, you know, what else am I supposed to do with myself? I'm gonna, this has been my whole life since I was a single digit kid playing in bands, playing, making music and making money doing it and seeing the world. It's been an amazing journey, man. I'm just trying to, I'm looking forward to what comes next. I think maybe sometimes you got to step back from it for a second. Plus I'd like to be home and watch my little kids grow up a little bit. I've been sort of busy lately with Ringo's band and my band and, but I'm looking forward to the tour, and it's going to be a killer tour, especially because we know it's like, okay, man, we got to bring this because we're going to put it to bed for a while, you know? On behalf of uh, the fans, I'd like to suggest maybe halfway through that tour, adding more dates. <laughs> it's not that simple, man. Oh, it's not? Uh, you know, we have agents for this stuff. <laughs> I don't book the shows. And there's here's the truth. Records don't sell anymore, so everyone's on the road. So the availability of good venues and, you know, within the time periods that we're doing, it's a very, very, it's the most competitive time for live venues ever in the history of music. Because where we make our bread and butter is on the road, though. Mm -hmm. You can't take away the live experience. You can't simulate it. I mean, I understand they're, you know, they have dead people on stage now, which is really kind of creepy to me. But um, I saw a verse, I saw something at a, a convention I just happened to be at, you know, you know, I manage the band too, so I mean, I'm having to take on a lot of business things when I get these set these things, the holograph tours. You know, I mean, what's next? Jimmy Jimi Hendrix will be in my living room playing Purple Haze. I mean, as much as as cool as that sounds, it's kind of creepy. You it's know, it's kind of creepy. You know what I mean? I'd love to hang with Jimi Hendrix. That would have been a wet dream of mine. You know what I mean? He's one of the you know, I've met just about every one of my heroes. In many cases, worked with them, but he's one that uh, you know. It would have been the granddaddy catch, you know. I thought, you know, George Harrison was pretty strong because he's my first inspiration, and we got to pal around a lot. God bless his soul. He was my first guitar hero and a friend, I'm honored to say, later on in life. But, uh, you know, that, uh, meeting George as my first guitar hero, and I, you know, I worked with Eric Clapton, Jimmy, um, Jeff Beck, and I met Jimmy Page. It was just wonderful to me as a fellow studio, as a fellow studio musician. He was, he came to me like. Hey, man, we're, like, different than those other guys because he goes, I was a studio musician. I go, I'm well aware, Jimmy. I said, can I tell people you said that? <laughs> <laughs> he was really cool. Like, he was like, yeah, man, you know, be proud of that. He was telling me to be proud of being a, a studio musician, which meant, he goes, oh, me and John Paul Jones, you know, they were studio musicians, you know. I mean, if people knew that John Paul Jones did the string arrangements for Herman's Hermit's records, they would be surprised, you know. Or the Jimmy played on, uh, you know, all the Donovan records and all, like, say, I think he did uh, 
them, you know, Gloria, G-L-O-R-I-A, Gloria. That was Jimmy Page's solo in the mm-hmm. middle of that. He did a lot, so many incredible things that I knew about, you know, that pe- most people don't know about, that Half a Zeppelin was a studio band. That just kills me. Makes me love them even more. I wore those records out, those early records, and that was big inspiration for me. Steve, do you mind if I ask you about your uh, autism advocacy? No, please. You can ask me anything about it, especially that. Okay. I have great. an eight-year-old autistic son, Bodie, and uh, you know it's it's really not uncommon now, man. It's kind of weird, you know, in the sense of where did this? It's almost like a breakout. Every family has one now. Yeah. You know, you hear it's not like when I was a kid. Autism was like what? You didn't even know. People said Lou Gehrig's disease. No, that's ALS. I'm sorry. Uh, autism was like, you know, they just didn't know how to diagnose it. So they misdiagnosed it for, you know, a hundred years, probably. My kid, we found out early on cause he wasn't talking real, f- he was normal to look at him. He's a beautiful, aesthetically beautiful child. I mean, striking. Thank God for his mom. But, uh, you know, his, his communication skills. So we took him and had him analyzed at three years old. And that's the time when everybody turns most autistic people are like seemingly normal until three and it's almost like a light switch click it's weird it's some dna thing i don't really don't know but mm-hmm. i'm very lucky i have a kid that's low on the spectrum meaning he doesn't scream and yell and beat his head against the wall and you know he's very loving and lets you, you know he hugs and kisses and talks and he's just getting into it he's just uh scholastically catching up and verbally catching up i'm one of the lucky ones but there are some extreme cases that are incredibly sad kids never speak they can't be touched. They, you know, it, it, there's some really extreme cases, and I've become very involved in. Well, not very. I want to become more, but I'm on the road so much. But you know, I've been. Uh, I don't know if you remember the actor uh, Edward Asner. Yes. You know Ed Asner, his son Matt. Uh, his son Matt has a, an autistic child, and we live in the hood, and uh, we ran into each other through you know because of of it. You know, I have other friends that have autistic kids and stuff, and. Uh, we got together and you know i've been it's become a new pet charity of mine obviously and uh it hits home and it's something that's very misunderstood i mean i'm a sucker for people that are a little different maybe challenged because my whole family's full of them and uh so i'm not freaked out when i see people in with any impairment or wheelchairs or missing limbs or blind, whatever, whatever the thing is in a wheelchair, I'm just drawn to these people for some reason because mm-hmm. of just my family. And I understand that they just want to be treated like everybody else. And autistic people, uh, when they grow up, maybe s- seemingly normal, but perhaps a little, um, socially awkward, maybe blunt, don't get sarcasm, stuff like that. And maybe seemingly a little weird because of that. So that's something that we're in training here because we got it early. I'm able to, you know, give my son the best of whatever I can. And uh, there's a new school we're trying to get into for him. But he's doing well. He's happy as hell. Incredibly athletic. Really, insanely athletic. That's like great. Swimming, all sorts of things. That's what he does to chill out. Sometimes autism means they get pent-up energy and you got to get that energy out. Once they go swimming or run or jump on the trampoline and get it out, then they can relax and takes a lot of baths he's the cleanest kid i know what can i say <laughs> if that's bad okay no not a mean bone in his body he could never lie never cheat if anything he's more involved than we are is there a foundation uh website.com you want to support oh geez uh, just google um asner the Austin. ed asner foundation 
Well, it's, it, I don't know the exact, I forget the exact name. Just, put, just okay. Google Asner Autism, and it will all be there. And they're lovely people, man. They're nicest people in the world. It's uh, it's it's just amazing too that uh, with all the names that you're connected to, now we can add Ed Asner to the list. Well, you know, he's just. I mean, I've had a chance to hang with him a little bit, man. He's the coolest guy ever. I mean, he's like you know, come on, our whole childhood right there. Yeah, a lovely, funny, engaging man, and and Matt is even cooler, man. What a beautiful cat. So I'm honored to be a part. That's a new thing, you know. We have our. ALS foundations that we support, and of course we have an Af- obviously we how can we not support Africa? Mm-hmm. So uh, you know we you know we try to quietly help. You know what I mean without being rah rah. Look at us, look what we do. I don't really, really think that's charity, is it? No, no, and that's hey look, uh, hey, look with me, look what I did. Pat me in the back, tell me how great I am. That's not why we do you know, it. Who's the charity for? The person that needs the pat on the back, or the people that really need the charity? Now, I've got a few minutes left with you. Want to talk about the box set? Yeah, man, it's just come. Well, we had the box set out, the big granddaddy one, and and that and we were made a limited edition of them, and they sold out. So it's, by popular okay. demand, it's a CD only, less price, less stuff, but we're gonna get the music. But uh, you know, there'll be a little. Uh, I, I, you know, we'll put it, uh, maybe one of the newer songs out right before we head on the road, and off we go. You know, and then we're gonna so uh, come out and see us. Check out the book, The Gospel According to Luke. Yeah, check out my book. Check out the box set. Uh, Steve Picaro has a great solo album out. Joe's got some stuff out there. You know, uh, we're ready. We're bringing it, man. Check out the box set all in and check out Toto on tour. You know, plus we got the DVD, you know, that's coming. We're, we're in litigation right now with that. I don't even want to get into it. I can't really say too much, but. It was held away from the United States because of this, but it's able to be released all around the rest of the world. It's a really cool DVD of 40 trips that we recorded live in Amsterdam for 17,000 people. Um, the only thing left is a is a full-scale Hollywood production movie like Bohemian Rhapsody. When's that come out about Toto? <laughs> well, because of litigation, I'm not sure. That, I'm not sure. I'm trying. I'm going to be doing a documentary. I'm going to try to dance around it a little bit, but I, I have no right to tell that story by myself. I would need the permission of everybody involved. Who plays Steve Lukather in uh, in the movie about Toto? I know it, my first choice would be Steve Lukather. <laughs> Jack Black. I don't Jack know. Black. <laughs> no, yeah, who I actually got a chance to work with earlier this year. Uh, Kyle's a good. He's become a little bit of a pal to me, you know. No, I joke about that. No, I don't know who would play me. Who would want to? I don't think it'll ever come to that, man. <laughs> I think. I mean, the best thing we could do would be a legit documentary. I don't think we're ready for film. But, you know, the Toto story would be. I don't know if it'd be interesting to people. Plus, there's so many artists involved from a, from a legal standpoint and license standpoint. It would be pretty much cost. It's too much money to get the licenses of all the songs, you know. And cost too much. That's a that's a case study for licensing and royalties, the Toto story on film. Boy, yeah, that's a, that would be a legal... They'd teach a college course on that if I was able to pull that off. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's nothing in the wind right now, man. You know, maybe when we're all dead, they'll, uh, they'll rediscover us and uh, make movies about us. And ask, you can ask my oldest son to look after that. Maybe my oldest son should play me. He's a guitar player, and... It would make more sense that he would play me. He's funny as hell, too. So I would say Trevor, my son, would play me. Now, the rest of the guys in the band, boy, that's up for grabs. I mean, we've oftentimes been in the back of a bus just having a laugh and, you know, trying to pick the most wrong people to play each other, you know. 
David Page as Divine, you know. Divine plays David Page. <laughs> <laughs> That's an obscure reference, by the way. You'd have to Google that, but uh, those in the know were laughing their asses off right now. Any any chance Ed Asner would play you? <laughs> <laughs> if I keep at this long enough, I may be that, yeah. You know, we, we thought 10 years at best, like our heroes, the Beatles did eight, you know. But God, if you think about what the Beatles did in eight years, it's staggering. But in, in reality, I mean, I never saw 40 years for more than 40 years. I mean, look at the Stones, though. You know, look at Paul McCartney. I'm playing with Ringo Starr. He's going to be 79 years old, and he's in better shape than any one of us. And, and sharp and funny and wonderful and everything you'd ever want him to be. Generous. Just, I mean, he's a model citizen, man. And every bit as funny as he was in Hard Day's Night. So, wow, what can I say? Playing his ass off, writing, hanging. It's a great honor for me. One of the great highlights of my life, being friends with Ringo, being his band. I really want to check out uh, a show that you do with Ringo Starr. That'd be so cool. We're doing one uh, back half of summer. I'm doing Toto first half of summer, and then I'm home for six days, and I jump on Ringo for another five weeks, and then come home, play end September 1st, and then Toto okay. goes out September 20th. Till October 20th, and I'm going on vacation. We will promote both of those shows on Yacht Rock Radio. Yeah, man. No, listen, like I said, it's all part of my life, but come out and see the Totos, man. A lot of fun this year. Thank you, uh, all you guys in Yacht Rock, man, uh, for having a good sense of humor and supporting the music and all the artists that make it and all the great people we had a chance to work with, many of which are still good friends of ours. And um, it's a, it was a good time. Mm -hmm. The music. I look back at it fondly. You can call it whatever you want, and uh, you know, look for the Family Guy episode. I am. You know, we were South Park characters. That was wonderful. What an honor. Now I get to be my favorite TV show, Family Guy. What's next? I'm going to star in Big Mouth, my other favorite show. All right. Anyway, there's always there's always something new coming, man. God bless y'all. Have a nice day. Fantastic. Thank you, Steve. We'll talk to you on the ship. Bless you, brother. You're listening to Yacht Rock Radio, the smoothest soft rock from the late 70s and early 80s. For more smooth, join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Yacht Rock Radio.